This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Beth Davis, longtime school librarian at Burn Knox Westerlow. She was one of just eight school librarians from across the country to serve on the William C. Morris Young Adult Debut Award Committee for 2022. She read over 200 books to help select the best by a new author of books for 12 to 18-year-olds. Davis, who comes from a reading family, has loved books her whole life. Books can be your friend. Books can keep you company, she says. Books can show you the rest of the world. Well, I'd just like to start by asking, how was it you came to be on this committee? I, um, it's something I have always dreamed of as a librarian, to be honest. And I've been at Burnux Westerlo for 26 years now. Um, I had my degree a little bit longer. And again, it's just always been something. I have belonged to all of my professional organizations for many years, both the National American Library Association, local New York, uh, or statewide New York Library Association, and locally, and some law. And as a member of the National, they would send out things every year asking people to nominate themselves to be on these committees. And I always thought nobody's going to pick you know, a librarian from a small library, and I haven't done anything so phenomenal that why would they pick me? You know? And finally this year I said, I'm going to watch well, was like two years ago. I put my name in the hat and you had to check off which committees you were interested in. And I joked, I remember sending it out and joking with two librarian friends from the state saying, I will never be picked, but what the heck? And lo and behold, about a month later, I got a letter from the incoming president of YALSA, the Young Adult Library Services Association, asking me to be on this committee. And I will tell you, I did scream (laughs) (laughs) with joy. And um, I did make sure with my superintendent, my principal, it was okay before I accepted. And I did not realize the amount of work involved, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. (laughs) Well, belated congratulations on that. Just tell us both about what the committee is and also why this was a long time dream of yours. Um, As far as the committee, uh, William Morris was a real person. He was a very popular and famous young adult publisher uh, who passed away. And so this award was created In his name, I think it's been around about 19 years. Um, And it's for debut authors. So first time writing. And we had a, um, I accepted to be on the committee. And you had to sign a couple of contracts, including promising that what goes on in committee meetings will not be discussed with anybody. I can't tell about the votes. I can't tell about what other books were considered, what books nobody wanted um, for 50 years. So, um, and there <laughs> wow. some other that, yeah, you had to read this huge rule book. I have a huge binder of rules um, for what books you can consider, what you can't. And uh, 
Then we started reading. Our chair, Patty Ramirez, lives in Texas. And she wrote to all the major publishers and smaller publishers with all of the committee's names and addresses. And books started pouring in from different publishing companies. We were required to read a lot of the books as long as they met the criteria. I was getting books that didn't meet debut criteria. And um, you had to read. We would meet about once to twice a month. It is nice that we are in a time where we can meet like this um, uh, by, you know, via, um, we're meeting Zoom. I guess in the, I'll use the old word olden days, but not that long ago, a few years ago, you would have to go to two different conferences and you'd literally be locked in a room with your committee all day. There are like guards to watch to make sure publishers don't sneak in or listen. And you would discuss and pick. We were able to meet once or twice a month. So it made things, I think, a little easier. You had to read a certain amount of a book before you could say no way and put it down. We had all kinds of charts to follow, saying who read what, um, recommendations. If somebody nominated a book, we all had to read it. And slowly you whittled down from these hundreds of books to... Um, over the course of a year, down to uh, four honor books and one winner or finalist. Well, I'm still curious about why this was a lifetime dream. That sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) It is. I I always loved libraries. And I mean, it was not always my dream to be a librarian. That came to me um, in college. But I always, you know, I can tell you the names of my librarians from elementary and middle and high school and spent a lot of time. There was always a voracious reader and loved talking about books and sharing books. And those stickers on the books were always, you know, an appeal. They're those shiny stickers that people go for. And, oh, there must be something special about these books. You mean once you win this award, like with the Newbery Award, it gets applied to the book. And those those are the shiny stickers. Oh, wow. Well, so it was a big deal. And um, also just as a librarian, it's it's kind of a way to live on forever. I I mean, hopefully I'm making an impact in 26 years here at Knox Westerlo. Um, I think I have with you know, I've had so many students over the years and now I have many children of their children and it's very exciting to me and still have some, you know, connections with many. But it's a way to live on forever because my name will be associated with the, the 2022 Morris Award. I appear on American Library Association pages with my name that I was on this committee. And I guess it's just a way to kind of keep living on. Yeah, well. Uh, since you will be living on, let's go back to the beginning of your life. You mentioned you were raised in Rockland County, yes. outside of New York City, um, and you always loved libraries. Tell us a little about your family. Did, were your parents readers? Were they? Is that something that was part of how you grew up? Um, my mom was always a big reader. Yeah. My dad uh, more. My dad more magazines as he's gotten older he reads a lot of books also and they both always have stacks um my mother would take us you know uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until i think i was in like sixth or seventh grade i have a younger brother andrew um also a big reader um and shout out to comic books and graphic novels because that's his big thing um and we all, my mom would take us to story time was a big thing in the summer. We always participated in the summer reading programs. 
and she would, you know, we would probably go once a week and always have big stacks and we had our special bags to put the books in. Um, and just read, read, read. I've always been a big uh, uh, historical fiction reader is my favorite. And um, so we, you know, we were a reading family. Reading was always important. I always like. I was one of those kids that always liked school. I loved in English classes when we'd get new books. So, and I would, uh, you know, middle school was a little rough for me. Um, that's for many, you know. Well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> used to be junior I, high in my era, but boy, that's a rough, a rough couple of years. It was junior high for me, but we were allowed to eat, like go during lunch to the library. So I would go there and I was the student that always do, loved doing research projects and reading. And I actually, well, my, my dad will still tease me that in elementary school, I went through a stage of, I wanted to be a Supreme court justice, uh, but that, that I did quickly went, I was going to be a social studies teacher. And that's what I always dreamed of doing. And then um, went to university of Albany. That's what brought me up to the area. I received my degree in um, social studies, teacher education, which is a, degree they don't offer anymore. And then when I was student teaching, I started realizing this might not be for me. I wasn't necessarily enjoying certain parts of teaching the same thing over, you know, like five classes of the same thing every day. Um, uh, and that's when it hit me. Wait, I always loved libraries. I would still be able to work in a school. I still would be a teacher. And I then went and spoke to somebody at the library program at University of Albany and was accepted into that program. Absolutely loved my master's and everything Oh, that's about a it. great and program. Yeah. 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 And never, I've never looked back. It's just something I've loved doing. So you've been at BKW 26 years. You yes. must love it. Um, and during that time, I noticed they're not called school librarians anymore. You are called no, you are. a library media specialist. So tell us what the job entails that isn't just about books. What? Right. I will say, though, we've gone back. I've always, as I said, I'm very active in um, my professional organizations. I'm a strong believer that everybody should be involved in their professional organizations. Um and I'm also on the board of both the state level and the local level. I um, We've gone back to American Library Association has gone back to our official title is school librarians. Because oh. it's, it's the most known. But yes, yeah. yeah, school media specialist was for a while. Some states will use the term uh, library teacher or librarian teacher or teacher librarian. But um, school librarian is what our professional organization would like us to be called. So I am sure there's no typical day and you're certainly not teaching the same class five times as, no. as you. So, but no. just kind of tell us about a day, you know, what kinds of things does a school librarian do? Right. And I, I think you're very right. That's why I think that's why I love it. I never know what to expect. Who's going to come in, who needs um, a typical day and a in quotes because there like is said, no typical um i will have students coming in throughout the day to take out books uh i will have students coming in to use the computers because not all of our students have computers at home or don't have internet or don't have printers or their printer ran out of toner so um of students coming in to do that i love i think it's 
the teacher part of me, I love collaborating with teachers and working on projects together. Um, I mean, if a teacher says, hey, I already have this project, I just need you to pull some books or put together a list of um, good databases or websites to use, I'll do that. But I prefer to work with the teacher. And I've been so blessed to work with so many incredible teachers who who get it and we'll sit down, we create the project together and we will teach it together. I, I will do more of the teaching of like what databases and how do you use this database? Um, and then uh, I will sit and grade too, which I think is a plus that <laughs> teachers appreciate that they've somebody to help them grade. I have, this is the second year I'm co-teaching with Audrey Riss, our English te um, teacher, uh, the, her 11th grade honors class. And we're doing a lot of research-based work in that class, and a lot of writing. So I really appreciate that. Uh, I just finished a World War I project with our seventh grade teachers. Um, coming up, I've got World War II. I work very heavily with Karen Corso, our secondary guidance counselor on career um, information and programs we use for that and you know future what what do you see your, with your future um careers colleges the military um i i have to find time to order things because you know we want to stay fresh uh, making sure the library looks nice and attractive and try to think uh well, it sounds like more than enough. I can't believe it. Okay. So getting back to the young adult fiction, you mentioned your middle school or junior high years were rough, and I think that's true for a lot of kids. And mm -hmm. I wonder if you could just talk about what books do for kids, especially at that age. Um mm -hmm. I, or maybe even some of your favorite books from that era. As I was thinking through talking to you today, I immediately thought of my own, you know, J.D. <laughs> Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. Or And I just, did you have certain books that helped you through that period? And now working with modern kids in that age group, are there certain books that you point them to? That, that Yes. Um, I, and honestly, and I, I think I felt it then, and I, th I feel it now, books can be your friend. Books can keep you company. Um, books can show you the rest of the world. And uh, as, as a young adult, again, I was very into historical fiction. I loved, I mean, Judy Bloom and Judy Bloom open, you know, taught me so much. And I've, I've always been a Laura Ingalls Wilder fan. I mentioned the historical fiction. Um, i trying to think Betsy Byers. I loved, uh, Jean Little, who wrote a lot of books, um, diversity and uh, people with disabilities. And so I learned a lot from her. And today, I mean, the literature, the, you know, the authors may have changed and the literature may have changed, but I think it's still there for students. My job is to both find books for students and connect students with books that um can show them that they're not alone and also show them that there are other people out there, other places, uh, people who are different, may have different religions, different beliefs, different cultures. Um, so it's my job to make sure this library reflects. Um, there's a saying, and I cannot, I meant to write down her name, but um, librarians today will go by 
a phrase that we need to provide books that are windows and mirrors. And I apologize, I can't remember who created that phrase. But it's basically you need to be able to look in a mirror and see yourself in a book. But you also need to be able to look through a window and see others and the rest of the world. Oh, and I love that. And that's what that's the basis when I am ordering materials for the library and when I'm giving things out to students. And especially in this era of such polarization um, and also an era of racial reckoning, do you find that books help the students in your school kind of come to terms with some of those larger issues that are percolating all around us? I'm going to say not just students, the teachers and the aides I work with. I have... Before COVID, we had a very active um, faculty staff book club, and I was making sure that I was picking books that uh, reflected all, you know, different parts of our world. Um, Hopefully we'll start meeting again soon. Um, But wait, I'm going to interrupt you there. What a great idea. So this way, the whole community would sort of metaphorically be on the same page because you'd all be reading the book at the same time and talking about it. it. You would. I would come up with lists. We would read the books and then um, we would meet once a month and discuss the book together. Um, and it, it was wonderful because it was a way to bring the two buildings, people from both buildings. Because yeah. we don't, you know, it, it's funny. We're on the same campus. I always joke you can almost touch the two buildings, you know, with your, <laughs> if you stretched. Um, and yet, you know, we're worlds apart. We don't get to see each other. So it was a way to get together. It was a way to um, also have aides and assistants included. So that was great. Um, and I know people are hounding me to start it again. So I really need to get back on the. Wow, no, that's great. Well, one thing you mentioned in passing, you had liked Laura Ingalls Wilder, and I did too. I kind of rediscovered her when I had young children. We would read her books, all of them, out loud. And isn't that, though, one of the authors that your library association has now kind of, um, I don't know what the right word is, censored isn't the right word, but um, because she was writing in a time when Native Americans were, um, I don't know what the word is, but. No, yeah, yeah. there are issues with many books written. Yeah. Um, And uh, with Lauren Wilder, the issues are both, um, having to do with Native Americans and uh, some of the specifics are Ma would talk about, you know, really negatively about yeah. Native Americans. Um, there's also when one of the books, Pa, performs in blackface. So there are there are definitely issues. Um, and it is something that I discuss with students when they're reading it. The, the American Library Association certainly, there used to be a book award named for Laura Ingalls Wilder and they've changed the name of the book but there's always there's been lots of controversial figures though in librarianship um but wait I just want to interrupt I'd like to hear more on that thread but I really appreciate that approach you're taking it seems like a good one to me you don't throw out the whole book but when you read it with the students you talk about this week in our paper we have a column on minstrel shows Mm -hmm. um because I was Mm -hmm. our historian who wrote it. Um, 
I had thought of them as way in the deep past, Civil War era, ending, you know, before the 1900s. And here, right locally, in the pages of our newspaper, were descriptions of these up through the 1950s. And I just thought it was important to let the community know that. Not Mm -hmm. that you condone it, but that it was here and this is what people did. And here's how we've evolved I hope. Um, But that seems like a good approach to me rather than just saying, don't read Laura Ingalls Wilder, read her, but understand the things that are, we hope, evolving as a society. So because one of the things, too, there's been in the last couple of years, and you're probably aware of this more than I am, but just um, banning of books, just a a very... uh, strong movement to take books that can teach us things and um, just not having schools be allowed to teach them or read them. Do you have thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Many. Um, that, that would be a whole nother hour. But, uh, but <laughs> what? I guess, yes, I have to say as a librarian, it's a bit of a scary time uh-huh. uh, and it's not an issue that's just, you know, down south or, you know, in Texas, it's all over and we're seeing it, you know, even in New York state, it's something I certainly have spoken to my principal, Dr. Peterson and our superintendent, Dr. Mundell about, and I've had some really great conversations with Dr. Mundell um, about it. I, I also will say, I believe a parent does have the right to say their child can't read a book. And I certainly, I've had parents over the years call me and say, I don't want my child to read about, you know, witchcraft or drugs or, and I'm able to put something in the computer system to say parent doesn't want child to take out books on this. And, you know, I respect that a parent has the right. It's when you're going to say, nobody has the right to read this. I will step up and say, wait, wait, you know, um, fine for your own child, but you may not want your child to read about something, but some other student needs to read that book really badly. Mm-hmm. They're in a place where they need that book. Um, so your so. school system is small enough or mm-hmm. perhaps because of you intimate enough that you can actually be aware of an individual parent's request and still allow for the general flow of knowledge yes. for other students. Yes. I mean, students. technically anybody, even if it's a huge district, if they're using like the li- the system we're using, we use something called Follow at Destiny for our automation. But I, I think all the of them have ways to write notes uh, that you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I mean, there, like I said, there are certain students that just need certain books in their hands or they need to know they're here in the library. Can you just um, give us an example of that? A, a certain oh, well, um, I mean, we certainly have students who are gay, lesbian, transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had students thinking about other religions. Mm-hmm. Um, students who want to know about, um, you know, this is a rural school. They want to know, you know, inner city um, life. So things like that. Um, so, you know, again, having something for everybody or somebody might, um, as I was talking about the LGBTQIA plus books, um, the A is for ally. 
So there are students who have friends um, who are gay or lesbian, um, bisexual, and um, they want to learn more about their friend. So again, having books for everybody. And I think if you look at a lot of the banning issues, they, they're around those issues and also um, people of color. Yeah, they definitely are. So, um, well, um, so you were on another thread and I I yanked you over here. But before we run out of time, I want to just discuss, I know, and I will never ask you to violate the contracts you signed, but I I think we can talk about the books that won. And um, I just wonder, as you were reading through all these books, are you one of the people that read Firekeeper's Daughter? Was that one of the ones that you... I was, I, I... Well, we all had to read it. Oh, I see. At the end. Yeah, sure. Once once somebody either on the committee or somebody from the public can nominate for any of these awards, too. There are links. Um, Once a book got nominated, we all had to read it, the eight of us. so just tell us, I downloaded that on Kindle last night and was absolutely <laughs> fascinated. Just tell us a little about that book. And I think you told me you were on a Zoom call with the author, Angeline yes. Woolley. Tell us about that. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think that was the highlight. But um, we, I'm trying to think, we, Firekeeper's Daughter came out, I think, early in our process. So we had read it a long time ago. Um it's a wonderful book, takes place in the upper peninsula of um, it's Minnesota or Michigan um, uh, about a young woman graduating high, who just graduated high school, Dawnis. One of her parents is a Native American and the other parent is Caucasian and kind of trying to live both lives and not sure where she fits in in this world. And then gets involved in a mystery because there's some drug issues going on in her community and the FBI gets involved and she gets involved in solving the mysteries. And I don't want to give away too much of the book, but it just it's one of those I I remember not being able to put it down when I was reading it. Yeah, um, it was, I stayed up too late last night. Just, and I read that the author, Angelina Bully, is herself Chippewa and her father yes. is a fire keeper. Um, yes. and, and we got to meet him. Oh, my gosh. Well, tell um, us about the, tell us about that. Yeah. So and I, I will say we want to talk about persistence. She wrote that book. It took her 10 years to write Firekeeper's Daughter. Um, she rewrote it every year for 10 years till she got it to where she kind of wanted it and then was submitting it. And um, there was a bidding war on it with, um, I think it was 12 publishers went for it. Rumor is that it went for, I think, seven figures. Oh my God. Um, And I, I think, then when you read it, you see why they were all bidding on it. Um, I've also heard, by the way, and I, I'm I'm a reader. I am not good with audiobooks, but some people love audiobooks. I've heard the audiobook version is fabulous. So if anybody's listening to this and doesn't particularly like to read an actual book, pick up the um, audiobook, please. So um, once we had decided, first we had to get down to five finalists. And then we, and then that was a net that gets announced to the five finalists. Are. So the, those five know way before the big 
I'll call it the Academy Awards of Librarianship, which is the Youth Media Awards, um, which is a big deal in our world. <laughs> so um, they knew. And then we, a couple of weeks before, pick who is the winner and who are the four finalists. And then we got, they arranged a Zoom with the committee. There were members from the publishing company and Angeline, um, and she thought she was going to a meeting with her publishers to discuss her new book because she's on a deadline. She doesn't get 10 years again. So um, <laughs> she, um, she gets on. Oh, and the publishers all kind of like muted their faces so she couldn't see. And she gets on in this, you know, eight strange people. And her, um, I think it was her agent was on. And, you know, you can kind of see. And then Patty, our chair, lets her know that she won. And I have pictures because the, the agent was like going, doo, 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 doo. Um, and she's just like covering her mouth and just in shock. She then spent like 15 minutes with her computer wandering the house because it was like she didn't even know what to do with herself, <laughs> where to sit. Um, but answering our questions and talking and wanting to know who each of us was. And we each got to talk to her. Um, and her dad and mom were there, but her mom refuses to get on camera. Um, but her dad, we got to all meet him. Um, so that was very neat. And then all the publishing people, by the way, had gotten back on. So it was like a big old party. <laughs> but then she has to be quiet. That We met with her on a Wednesday, and then Monday was the Youth Media Awards. And then that's when it gets announced, and she can tell everybody. And then about a week ago, we had the big celebration. Because normally we would have it at our conferences, but the conferences have all been virtual. So all of the, the finalists and the winner got to speak and talk and and I will tell you, one of the highlights of that was she actually thanked each member of the committee by name. And we, our committee got really close, I think, because we were meeting so much. So we're all like texting. She's, she's like, we're like, she's saying our name. She's saying our name. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful experience. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, looking through the list, there are just so many. Was it hard? And I know you can't talk about votes yeah. or anything, no, but right. was it hard? To, or was she just like the clear front runner? Because just to some of the other ones, just to name them, Ace of Spades, which um, involves two black students at a private school, mm -hmm. uh, Vampires, Hearts, and Other Dead Things, um, Me Moth, which um, is the black granddaughter of a hoodoo root worker, and a musically talented Navajo boy, What Beauty There Is, written by Corey Anderson, where Danger stalks Jack as he attempts to save his brother from foster care. I mean, these books are just not just diverse in their authors, but taking on such important topics. Yeah. It, it's not like in my era, you know, Nancy Drew, <laughs> who, yes. who had the same friends in the same setting and just solved different mm -hmm. mysteries again and again. I mean, was it a really difficult time to isolate who, oh, who to it choose? Hard. It was hard. I mean, and luckily because we met so much, like we could break things into, but like, yeah, there were quite a lot of nominations. It was a long list that we had to, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were some books we read that like none of us could finish because it was just painful. But in general, it was a very good year for books. And um, we would weed in, and, but then 
when we had to get down to our five finalists, not with, with the winner stage, but the one before, I think that Zoom was two and a half hours of us voting over and over and discussions mm. and debating. And, and and I would like to say, I've heard horror stories about some of these committees where people want to like leap across the table and choke each, you know, like <laughs> real nasty fights over books. We, I'm not saying we all agreed all the time, but there was such wonderful respect for each other at these. And like I said, I feel like um, the people on my committee have become friends. Um, and I miss our meet, meeting regularly, but we are still uh, texting constantly. But um, yeah, it was intense. Like, like I said, several hours to get down to the five. And then even once we had the five and then when we had to pick the winner, uh, that was a long meeting also. Wow. You know, their loves. and <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, our time has flown by. I, there's just so much more I'd love to talk to you about. What a fascinating life you lead. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Any parting words on books or reading or whatever? Just, well, just read. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you read. If you love magazines, read them. If you like reading manuals for how things work, that's reading. Read. I tell students that all the time. I, You know, a book, an ebook. Um, uh, we could have a whole meeting on the importance of graphic novels and how, yes, they are real literature and real reading. Um, so I, I just say, please read. Uh, and for those who say I hate reading, what I, I'll tell you what I say to the students all the time who tell me that you haven't found the right genre or the right author yet. So just keep searching. 